Welcome to yet another episode of Marketing Management and Money. I'm your host, Ryan Murray. And I'm your host, Ethan Migliori. So, uh, Ethan, you had mentioned uh, in an episode we just recently did that uh, you're kind of a nerd for GIS. And uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that most of our list, most of the entrepreneurs that I dealt with when we pulled up GIS data, they were kind of amazed by it, shocked by it. Uh, it's not well known at all. So what I'd like to do, and I'm going to let you take the lead on most of this because this is something that I feel you've uh, dug into a little bit deeper than I have, but we're going to talk about uh, getting your market research in general. So uh, we're going to be talking a lot about GIS data, but I want to talk about market research data and, you know, what makes good market research, what makes bad market research. Why do so many small businesses not do research. Those are the kind of kind of questions we're going to answer in this episode. So, will you just let's kick it off with a, a nice overview of GIS for those who are unfamiliar with what we're even talking about. Uh, let's let's get all on the same page. Great. So, GIS the acronym stands for Geographic Information System. And so what we're looking for is gathering information about a geographic area or a demographic. Uh, there's a lot of categories in there so that we can grow our business. Right. That, that's the main point of all of it is to understanding probably for most people, new markets. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the things that I'd like to start off with. Where do people find this kind of data? Because with all the entrepreneurs that I've worked with, they've not realized that there is data available. So, you know, where, where do they even start? There's a couple different sources. There are some online sources like ESRI. Um, there's UDIG and a couple, you know, some of them are paid, some of them are free. Mm-hmm. There's also organizations out there that will help you do it. Uh, Chris Gibbons has the uh, economic gardening effort that he does, the National Center for Economic Gardening. And you've done a lot with economic gardening. I mean, you went out and you did the whole training and, you know... I do, and I still work with Chris Gibbons and his team probably uh, a couple times a year with projects and with companies in our region to help them with this specific thing, GIS, and helping Mm -hmm. them expand. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another one out there, Edward Lowe. They do a little bit. So there's both sites that are paid, a few that are free, and organizations that will do it. My best advice is first and foremost, uh, reach out to your local small business development center, your SBDC, as they refer to it most often. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be where I'd say start because they'll know where to get you going. And and the SBDC, they have resources as well mm-hmm. to do that as well. So I better make sure I throw that in there, um, even though I, I use SBDCs. Um, but I, I'm a more of a fan of the Chris Gibbons, Edward Lowe, National Center for Economic and some of those other organizations that do it. So, okay, we, we have a decent international following. Um, you know, I would say about 20% of our audience is outside of the United States, even though we are located here in the United States. Uh, what are some of the websites that they can go to if they don't have, because an SBDC is definitely going to be, uh, you know, something that is going to be in the United States. There are equivalent um, organizations that are in other countries. I am not familiar with what they are. So we're just going to give, you know, the website, if if you're listening and you don't have access to an SBDC, where, where can you go? So here, here's a handful to consider if you want to just explore it a little bit and get a better understanding of and, it. And we'll put all these in the description. So, you know, if you want to catch them again, just check out the description on this episode. So a real common one is ESRI. And they, they have some free resources, but most are content you're going to have to pay a little bit for. 
Uh, Data Axle is a combination. They're a new one, and they they merged from uh, Info USA and Resource, uh, or sorry, not Resource Reference USA. Those two merged, and they became Data Axle. So, if, so if some people know them, that's the new entity there. Uh, there's QGIS. They have some software you can actually download for free to where you can do some of your own stuff. And then, of course, uh, UDIG, which is another free one. But I put this out there for right now for people that are doing this. Doing GIS on your own can be a little complex. I'm not going to try to hide that, okay? <laughs> so don't think you're just going to go to one of these sites and it's just going to throw information at you like a Google search. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it, matter of fact, a classic example, and you could talk more to this one. Uh, a lot of times you talk to people about SEO, search engine optimization. You need to do this for your company. What do they do? They run out and try to do it, and then they come back because they're frustrated. It's It always sounds easier than what it is. Sure, sure. And so any of this stuff, okay, we're going we're to go down this rabbit hole for a second. Any of this stuff is a skill, and it takes time. It's a long game. Like going out, you're not going to get some GIS data and then be like, oh, Look, I just identified all of my customers in this area. It doesn't work that way. What you're going to do is you're going to start identifying trends, patterns, opportunities, and you're identifying, you're not pinpointing. And so as you start to find, you know, these opportunities, then you're going to try and, you know, uncover what's really going on. So this is what I always recommend when people are getting into this. Don't start with the data. The data is the wrong place to start. Start with the questions. That's that's correct. Let me share this, and this will probably be a good leader to a lot of our things we want to talk to. So let me give one example. Uh, to, well, uh, one one analogy and one example. Okay. So I always look at GIS like uh, playing a game that we all played growing up, and that's called Battleship. Okay. <laughs> so. Too often with marketing, what are we doing? We're guessing out there in the dark. Uh, B9. Exactly. But GIS is when we get a hit, GIS is that hit. And mm-hmm. we know how to now start a lock in and we can fine tune that. Well, GIS is like saying, here's a piece of that boat. Okay. Still doesn't tell you which Where direction it's going, and, all the yeah. details, but at least pins points down where each one of those boats, a piece of it is. Yeah. So we start with an advantage. Mm-hmm. That's what GIS does for us. Okay. Now let me give you an example, a real life of an example of, of, of a form of GIS, because depending on where you want to go with it, um, uh, we can talk different ways to do GIS, but I'm going to use one and you're familiar with this one called cells leakage. Mm-hmm. So cells leakage in our, in our region, we do a cells leakage report every year, or every other year. And the purpose of the cells leakage report is to tell us where in a, as a community, we're losing money or we have a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And we take the data for the cells leakage report. The reason why we call it a cells leakage is because the cells are leaving the area. And we take um, information that we can gather. So there's good data on retail sales tax through the state. We can pull those reports mm-hmm. and then we can run it through a little bit of a matrix to say, okay, based off of our demographics, the people that live here, et cetera, we know that this amount of money should be spent on this retail product. Mm-hmm. And when we, then when we compare what the retail sales tax number actually is with what the matrix says, we either have a 
generally we have a gap, not all the time because sometimes we're a saturated market and we're actually capturing it, but generally there's a gap either negative or positive. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on a negative uh, one, it means we're losing money. The money is being spent outside the area. So when we started running those original reports at first, we're like, okay, this is great, but it doesn't, it helps us a little bit, but we, as we do it for a couple of years now, patterns really started to show. And one of the patterns that we saw is in the home improvement area, we were losing millions of dollars outside the area in home improvement material. Okay. So, so what did we do? We started tracking it and all of a sudden now we're having discussions about, all right, how do we recapture this money? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, not by, I would say our whole effort, but anyways, a company comes in that is works in that industry. And within one year after they're in, we run, when we run the next sales tax leakage report, sure enough, we had recaptured $4 million. It was a positive number. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we could see that the numbers, what they were reflecting doing it. Well, come to find out as we started having discussions with that company, guess what they were using? GIS data to know where to locate. Mm -hmm. There was, it wasn't a fluke why they came in. Okay. It, but it took us a year or two years to understand and building relationships with them before they finally revealed that. And they were a larger organization. So they were using GIS data to know where they were going to locate their next regional chain stores. Mm -hmm. Now, I, 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 I remember this example because I was kind of involved in it from a little bit of a different angle. Correct. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, weren't they, that location, isn't that one of their top producers uh, in the state and in their entire network? Like yes. It's, it's up there as, and it shouldn't be, like there are stores that are in places that are more geographically, you know, populated. And so if you look at just the consumer base, you would think, oh, you know, let's, let's just go where more people are because more people means more sales. Not necessarily. And so instead of doing that, they said, let's go where the opportunity is. And it, it was a home run for them. Yeah. Total home run. So the G GIS data said one. There's um, some leakage there. There's something to recapture. And two, the GIS data from other things showed this town is a regional hub. People come here to do their shopping. Mm -hmm. So we can capture, if we locate it here, we can capture it from multiple communities versus if we were to locate it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So hence it does. It became, and I, and I don't know about the last two years, but if, for as long as I could remember, and I tracked them intimately. Well, well the last were, two years has been COVID, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, matter of fact, I know through COVID they did well because every home improvement store showed uh, yeah, significant that's, profits. That, that, that's true. That's true. So, so I, I, I want to get into, and we're going to stick with this example for a second, and I want to put some, some cautions out there for businesses that are just like, oh, this sounds great. You know, I want to expand my business, and so therefore I'm going to use some of this data. If you do it wrong, if you do it incorrectly, you risk relocating or expanding into the wrong area. And for a small business, that's a big enough risk that that could put you under. Uh, there, there was a, uh, a restaurant that I studied for a while because we were trying to do a competitor restaurant for them. It was a little bit uh, niche. It was doing French crepes. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they had had great success in a certain area and so they figured that they could just open and open and open and open and they started opening up in multiple locations put themselves out of business because they had opened in too many locations now had they not 
uh, overextended, they, they had a great model. Everything was right with their business, but because it was such a niche restaurant, it only worked in certain areas. You couldn't, it wasn't a hamburger joint. It wasn't, you know, like a, a taco uh, type establishment. It was the type of restaurant that only worked in certain areas. And so if you start digging in and you're just like, oh, sales leakage, clearly, if there's a gap, I fill it, I make money. It's not quite that simple. And so the caution that I would give is if you are getting into this and you should be getting into this, you know, like this, this is how even if you're not looking at expanding geographically, you still need to know where all of your customers are coming from. You need to understand what buying patterns are happening, what parts of the country you want to sell to. So, you know, if you're getting into this, either take the time to learn it and learn it correctly or get someone else who does know how to do it and contract with them. You don't have to hire them full-time. Like, this is the type of stuff, you know, you were mentioning, uh, you know, some of those foundations, uh, you know, like... Uh, You've worked mostly with Chris Gibbons and, and, and yes. his economic, economic gardening group. And, you know, I mean, they'll contract out for, I think it's a few thousand dollars. That's I don't, correct. I don't remember the exact price. Um, but for a few thousand dollars, they will bring in a team of experts who are going to help you interpret the data and help you get the correct data so that you are actually, you know, you have confidence in the decisions you're making. You're not like you're better off guessing than going off of wrong data. You know, bad data is the worst thing you can have. Guessing is better. Wow. And that's, you nailed it uh, perfectly. That is if you misinterpret the data or you pull superficial data, I do a Google search. Okay. And I pull superficial data. I could really do a lot of damage to my company as I try to move forward. So making sure that you have good in-depth GIS data as you move forward is very important. Mm. You, a, a good way to help understand it is that if you look at just the train that you, you live in, and I'm going to, you know, we're in the Western states, so we have a lot of valleys, hills, plateaus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I can be in that valley and I can look up and I can say, oh, that plateau is not too bad. I'm going to climb up on that plateau to see a little bit more. So as a business, I kind of invest some money to get up onto that plateau thinking, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to see more and this is going to be great. Well, guess what happens when I get to that plateau? I look around and there's mountains I can't see over in a past. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what happens is you take a superficial judgment thinking that once I'm on top of that plateau, it's all great until I get up there. And then I realize, wow. I can't see anything still because the mountains go another 2000 feet above mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. So you got to keep in mind that this, this business landscape that we live in is, is valleys, hills, plateaus. And so the bigger, the higher we can get, the more we can see of the terrain, the better decisions that we're going to make, um, as we implement the data that we're receiving to, to make decisions on how we're going to get from point A to B in this weird business landscape, mm -hmm. you know? You, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but too often we think of business as a mechanical, you know, I, I, I put a half a pound of metal in and I get 30 pop cans. Okay. And every time I put money in, I get pop cans. It doesn't work that way. Business and economies are biological. They mm -hmm. change, they change, they change. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so 
if I'm working with a business and, uh, you know, when, when I was heavy into consulting, um, I, I would sit down with businesses and I would say, give me the questions. If, if you had a crystal ball and you could look into it and get the answer or, or even let's, let's do the genie in the bottle, right? You have three wishes, but instead of wishes, it's just answers to questions. What would you ask this genie? Would you say, hey, uh, where can I make sales? Because the genie is going to give you some answer like lots of places, you know. But if you ask a better question like would I be, you know, is my company at the point that I'm ready to expand? You know, that is a great question because you can answer that question and you can get it to where it's like, oh, yes or no. Or what would it take for my company to expand? Where will I go to find the highest concentration of my target market in a given area? You know, like those types of questions. And, you know, think about the genie in the bottle. You got three questions. What are what are those three? And I mean, you can go more than that. You can, you can have five, six, seven questions, right? But what do you really want to know about your business? And if you take those questions to a professional and you say, look, this is what I want to know, at that point, they can now start to answer those questions with the data. You know, they can they can get in and they they can find solutions. But if you just come in and you say, I want to grow. Okay, do you want to grow geographically? Do you want to offer new products? Do you want to diversify into new markets? That's all growth. So, you know, what 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 does growth mean to you? But if you come in and you say, I need to understand who my target market is, and I need to understand where the highest concentration of my target market is in new geographical areas. Boom. I can find the data for that. That's right. And and a lot of times we start with inside of your, a lot of stuff you do on the other side of your life, you have a, a marketing triangle. Mm-hmm. In the world I live in, I have what I call a market dynamics triangle. Okay. And it's pretty simple. Okay. And it, it in marketing, there's pretty much three things you deal with, so this is going to make a lot of sense. In that triangle, we have you, the customer, and the co- competitor. That's okay. the three of them. And with GIS, that's the same three things that we're looking at is where are your customers, where are your potential customers, where are your new customers, and where are they going, what are they doing, how much are they spending, uh, everything about the customer. The other side of that is your competitor, okay, because GIS, we need to know about your competitors. You know, who's the big boys in the you know out there? What are they playing? Are they consolidating? Are they expanding? Are they buying up other people? Mm-hmm. You know, are they coming out with new innovations that are going to cause us problems? Um, and then, of course, you. And when we talk about you, uh, the focus of any business should be profit, period. That, that's what the focus of a business should be is profit. And we do that through two things, increasing sales or decreasing expenses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are, that's it in business. Mm-hmm. Well, GIS can also connect me with, guess what? New suppliers. If I have an issue and I need to decrease expenses, it can help me find new suppliers that might exist that I didn't even know about because now I can be connected through information. And does it make sense? Okay, it's not uncommon for large organizations to have their suppliers and themselves located next to each other out of convenience. You see it sure. all the time. Right. Okay. Right. So GIS, there's a reason why they did that because of how 
um, the businesses flow and work so well together. Mm-hmm. Well, GIS can help us answer some of those questions too, is well, how do I increase sales or how do I decrease my expenses? Because either one of those will lead to a profit. So, so when we talk about GIS, those are be the three things that we're going to probably focus on is your competitors and everything that's going on in their world. And we'll put out there some, what uh, Chris Gibbons likes to call listening posts. So we're, uh, it's kind of like the best way to understand it is a news feed on your Facebook or email. Okay. So we're always getting information on what's going on in the industry. We can listen to the chatter. You know, I, I always, you know, in my life, I'm always listening to the chatter and some of the real estate stuff that's going on. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get news feeds that are always coming in. I can talk about it because I, I know it. Some of the stuff I don't like to share because I don't want other people to know my next move in some ways, <laughs> but it's out there. Okay. I, whether I like it or not, anyone else who's listening can hear that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and like you said, you, you pinned it down on the customers on your comments about where they located, where are the largest geographic areas. Um, because, uh, you know, some companies and one that you have some, uh, high interest in, it was interesting that, that they assumed that their product would be tied to areas that were cold. Well, come to find out, no, that was not one of the deciding factors when the data came out of why they were selling where they were selling. Mm-hmm. It had a different tie than, than cold weather, which kind of when you went, oh, that's super interesting. Well, GIS data would have told us that if they would have done it, but that they learned that from the school of hard knocks right, in some right, ways. Right. So, okay, you hit on a point that I feel like we've only just scratched the surface on and it's worth really digging into, and that's the competitor. Now, uh, we've done some episodes on, you know, understanding competition. In fact, there's a two-part series that, that we've done on understanding competition. And I really would advise anyone who hasn't had a chance to check that series out, um, get in and understand. Because so many people fail to understand uh, what competition is and who their real competitors are. And I'll tell you, if you don't know who your competitor is, man, you're in the dark. But here's the interesting thing. If I'm a massive corporation, you know, if I'm a Walmart, I know that Target is my competitor, okay? That's not overly difficult to figure out. But if I'm a small business, then a lot of times I get confused. Now, I've seen this, you know, a a small business that is like an automotive shop, you're going to be like, oh, well, you know, the other automotive shops are my competitors. And I'm like, true, but do you also realize that all of the uh, car care retail, you know, they're your competitors, like an AutoZone O'Reilly, uh, Pet Boys, you know, those guys are also your competitors because they're trying to teach people to do it themselves instead of taking it, in, in, taking it into you. And so, but the things that I start to see is when you get some of these small businesses that are a little bit niche, and they're like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, we've, we've got a, a competitor over there on the East Coast, but they're a thousand miles away from it, so we don't even worry about them. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's someone out there who is solving the same, you know, problem. They, they have an alternative solution to what your solution is, and you've got to understand them. And it's a little bit more challenging for a small business because it's you're not dealing with you know, uh, competitors that are going to be on the S and P 500. Like you don't have public financials that you get to just review to assess how you're doing with your competitors. It's a lot more challenging in this small business landscape because they're hidden. They're smaller. 
they they dodge the uh, the limelight. A lot of the smart ones they try and you know downplay some of their strengths or maybe upplay some of their strengths uh, because they're going for an image that they want to produce. How are you going to get to that? I you know if you're just gut checking it, you're wrong. You know, so many entrepreneurs. I'll sit down with them and I'll ask them like, who's your competition? And they can be in business for years and still not know who their competitors are. And it's a common, common thing. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, don't you want to know who your competitor is? You know, like that's that that's small business 101, <laughs> you know. And let me add to clarify what you've just said about competitors, and I'm going to use restaurants because a lot of people in a restaurant industry, we think about who are the other restaurants in our town, so mm-hmm. we kind of understand those competitors, but here's what people forget all the time. A portion of a restaurant, especially if you're in a tourist industry, mm-hmm. m- tourists don't look at your city. They're looking at the bigger picture or the larger quilt. If you have a quilt with a bunch of patches, they're looking at the larger area. And all of a sudden now we think, hey, look, I got to be worried about uh, XYZ company in my town. Well, guess what? If in 30, 40 minutes away, I have another town that has an amazing restaurant and someone's traveling through. I'll wait 30 minutes to make it to the next restaurant. Okay. So now all of a sudden my competition now geographically, according to GIS data is inside of this area, meaning that from, from where I'm located in like in a restaurant industry, I need to be worried about anyone within an hour, maybe even an hour and a half of my location Mm -hmm. because they are potential uh, competitors, not potential. They are competitors because people will go that much farther for a good meal. See, and it's so interesting as you're talking, I'm like, Oh, understanding, you know, using the restaurant example. And this is the same. I don't care if you're a t-shirt shop. I don't care if you're a landscaper. I don't care if you're a dog groomer. I don't care if you manufacture widgets. Like this is the same principle, but as a restaurant, you got to know, are you a tourist restaurant? Are you a lunch restaurant? Are you like, who is really coming and most people, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, this is who's coming. I'm like, is it? Do you know that? Have you validated your assumptions? And, and so I love the example of using the data to, to validate, you know, assumptions that we naturally make all the time. So uh, we're, we're, we're kind of out of time here. Are there any final thoughts, any final tips that, uh, that you're going to get? This is a big topic, so there's a lot to digest, especially if people are kind of getting exposed to this for the first time. Uh, what, 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 are some, what are some final thoughts that you have uh, as people are jumping into this new realm? So when you move into GIS, you're moving from what I call an old economy to a new economy. Okay. The old economy says we're just going to create a demand and then we're going to manipulate the customer to buy what we want. Okay, that's the old economy. The new economy with GIS is we're determining what the customer actually wants. Then we meet it with precision. Okay, and we understand that people spend money on um, on their lifestyle. So it, basically, money is is not. We don't earn money. We spend money. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? We shift what money means to us. Yeah. And so when we, when you think about GIS, we're shifting to a new, a new economy and it has differences. And then once you remember that and you shift that mindset, then GIS makes a lot more sense and it becomes a lot more powerful for your business. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you uh, if you have any questions, we're going to put some references in the description so you can check out those references. Uh, I know that Ethan threw a lot of stuff out there, and so you can uh, you can click on those links. And uh, if uh, if you want to go a little bit deeper on this, or if there are other topics that are of interest to you, just reach out. You can uh, catch us at Ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com. Uh, website is marketingmanagementmoney.com, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks. Have a good day. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month, and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions. 